Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Welcome, everybody. You have found the EquipCast. We have a fantastic episode for you today. I am really excited to welcome an old friend to the podcast. Mr. Kevin Cotter is here with us from Amazing Parish. As we get started here, I want to remind you, if you have not subscribed, you can find us at EquipCast, all one word, EquipCast. You can find us on Google, Apple, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can find us there. Just go ahead and subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Also, if you want the show notes and uh, you want to connect to the blog and some of the other resources we have available, you can go to equip.archomaha.org. There you can find the show notes, you can find all the episodes and a number of other blogs. So today with me, as usual, Father Jeff Lorig, my co-host. Father, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Excited to be here. Father, what do you do? I'm the pastor of two parishes in Midtown Omaha, St. Thomas More and St. Joan of Arc. Yeah, I can, can you believe I just said that? I just said, Father, what do you do? Like normally that usually involves a dirty look. If you say that to a stay-at-home mom or to a pastor, that's usually fighting words. What do you even do all day? I mean, what you, really. What do you do all day? I mean, you say, <laughs> say mass and then there's like nothing else after that. I prepare so. for the next homily. That's all yeah, I'm doing. Which is why they're so awesome. Yeah. Okay, so with us today... Kevin Cotter, good friends. Kevin, we've been friends for a long time. Worked together as missionaries when we were both with Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And now you are the executive director of Amazing Parish. Kevin, welcome. Jim, thanks so much. Father Jeff, great to be with you all. Good to see you. So, Kevin, we always like to start, anytime we have a guest on the podcast, we just like to start by asking people, tell us a little bit about your your personal faith journey. How did you first encounter Jesus? Yeah, great question. Grew up Catholic, good, very faithful home. Grew up with going to Mass, going to Catholic school, knowing right from wrong, helping others. Uh, but it wasn't really until high school that really got a sense of what my faith meant. And like uh, a lot of Catholics who have been renewed in their faith, that was through evangelical ministries. And so really pointing out, okay, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. What is your reaction going to be? And so actually it was just before high school where I really gave my life over to the Lord through this uh, evangelical ministry. I always remained Catholic. I always went to Mass on Sunday, but really had this split between living a Catholic life. But much of my brain, as I like to say, was very evangelical. I thought like evangelical. My theology was as evangelical. And this really continued all throughout high school as I was involved in different evangelical youth groups. This carried on to, into college. I went to James Madison University in Virginia for my first two years of school. And it was really there that I was confronted by a lot of non-Catholics asking a lot of good questions and really found the apologetics to say, oh, I actually understand what the Catholic faith teaches and I want to be Catholic. And so that created a whole new journey for me. I uh, transferred to Benedictine College in Atchison, in Kansas, got a theology degree there, uh, went on to get my master's in scripture and then started working with Focus as a missionary as well. So with Focus for 11 years, and then been with the Amazing Parish these last two years. Wow, that's fantastic. Kevin, tell us a little bit about Amazing Parish. What's the vision, what's the mission of Amazing Parish? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would say the Amazing Parish is a movement of parish leaders who are seeking to really change the culture within their parish to bring people 
to Jesus. That's really been a renewed vision for us. I'm really glad you asked that question because so much before, as we got started as an organization, is, um, there weren't as many people in the parish renewal space. So we did a lot of best practices and we really collaborated with a lot of ministries. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of building of parish leadership teams and, and doing that type of structure, which, which is all good. And we use all those things still, but we really honed in on this idea of a movement of parishes from around the country, around North America, who are really going after transformation of the culture that they have in their parish. And we might use uh, a leadership team model to help that. We might, you know, collaborate with different partners to help them do that. But we really want to change that culture because we think having that transformation is really going to lead to the ultimate goal of a parish, which is to bring more people to Jesus Christ. And uh, we're just really, really excited about that movement and direction and really feel renewed in that vision as well. Wow. You know, I was going to ask more about COVID later, but I can't help but think, as you talk about that desire bringing people together who are working on the change and the culture of their parishes, I was able to be on a couple of webinars that you all did. You know, suddenly everybody is on Zoom and there was what felt like a really cool gathering. Could you just talk a little bit about like what was the experience of gathering some of those folks who had tasted Amazing Parish, who had had some connection with you all, gathering them together in the midst of those kind of early weeks and months of the pandemic? That's a great place to go, Jim, because, you know, with COVID, something very unique happened. And I think we're all aware of that, but something really unique happened for parishes, and we're talking about culture change. Cultures are often very difficult to change. And in a parish, we often have uh, people who are overworked. We have people who are understaffed. They're underpaid. They feel like they're scraping by. They really have to go with this like liturgical calendar where we have to, as much as they don't even want to at times, we have to get people mm-hmm. through sacraments and we have weddings and we have first communions and confirmations. And like, e- even with this desire to make disciples and have this great culture, we get into the rut of all the logistics or all the things that we feel like need to happen. And with COVID, all of a sudden, all those things stopped. And I think it was a really, for the first time, a lot of people said, no, I I want that culture, but I just can't do it. And so we were able to really insert into that conversation and say, what would it look like right now, now that a lot of those things are to the side, how could you build that culture? And it was fun to just see this desire well up in, in pastors to want to change that culture. And then they were met with an opportunity to actually do it. And one of the key moments for us, and I think for our parishes during that time, is something we called the three conversations. And when I tell people about the three conversations, especially someone who might be a little bit farther outside of parish life, they sound like the most simple things you could possibly talk about. So here are the three conversations. We challenge our pastors to have these conversations with their staffs. And they went like this. The first conversation was, what can I pray for you about? And you listen to the group and then you say, great, now we're going to pray about those things for each other. Pretty simple. Second conversation is, where's your faith journey? Really similar, Jim, to the question you asked me at the beginning of the show. Where are you at? Where's God taking you? Where do you feel like he's at now? Good, bad, otherwise, you don't have to be a perfect person or have a perfect conversion. Just tell us your story. Mm-hmm. And then the third conversation was, where do you fit into the mission of this parish and the ministry that we're doing and those are three very simple conversations. I think most people would say, oh, a parish staff, like they probably have these types of conversations all the time. <laughs> the resounding answer was, oh gosh, we don't talk about those things. Oh, we don't. Yeah. I don't know if my staff, I mean, really good priests, good men would go, I don't think my staff would want me to pray for them. So they work in a parish, but you don't think they would want your prayers? Oh, no, I don't. Oh, I don't want to know where their faith journey is at because then they might, I, I, I just don't want to know. 
Oh my gosh. Father, they work in a parish. Like if they're not at a good place, then how do you expect them to reach out to your parishioners? How do you expect your culture to be heading the right direction if your own staff, it feels like they don't have these things, but more so that we're not even willing to talk about them. Wow. And so they met this point. Again, they had that desire. They had the opportunity. So a lot of the excuses went away. And then they were actually able to engage in these three conversations and see what it looks like to really go after a new culture and see the impact that it begins to have on their staffs as well. You really think it begins with the staff? Like most parishes don't have staff. I mean, I, we've got a bookkeeper, a secretary, uh, and that's about it. And we're big parishes. So I'm just thinking, yeah, I, we've had spiritual conversations and cast vision, and, but I, I don't think they're the movers and shakers in the parishes. They don't think of themselves as really change the inside, really going to change the culture of the parish. So I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, like, if you're getting any feedback about, like, is it really the staff where you might start that? And, yeah, that's, that's a really good question and probably one that um, I can make a slight correction. We usually say the parish office and what for certain parishes that is going to be their staff. For other folks, it's those key volunteers that come into our building each week and are like the lifeblood, especially if you don't have a staff as a parish. Typically, you lean on those people where it's like you're in charge of marriage prep. I know you have a job throughout the week, but like you're huge for that or you run the youth group and you're just, you know, you're, you're a mom who's passionate about this parish. We don't pay you anything, but like you care more than actually a lot of staff members around the country. So I think it's, it's getting around those folks who are very engaged with the parish, whether they're staff or not. And maybe a little bit more insight into your question is, and I think as a lay person in my parish, if the staff doesn't have a certain culture or they're not leading in a certain direction, then I get very, I get defeated very quickly. Cause I think, well, if the people closest to father don't have this culture, then father must not want it in my life. You must want, must not want me to spread it as well. So I totally get if there's some more administrative staff and that doesn't feel like the movers and shakers, but I feel like whoever those movers and shakers are who are key folks in your parish, if they don't embody this culture, if they're not leading with father in this culture, it seems like it's going to be hard for that culture to thrive. But I'd love to hear from you too on that, Father Jeff. Um. Yeah, most of the parishes I've worked with here in rural area and here in, in Omaha, you know, there's our suburban parishes that have big staffs and they have they do ministry. But in most places, the ministry is being done by the priest or the deacons. And then maybe you have a part-time DRE, you know, director of religious ed. But then most of our staffing is going into schools. And the school okay. seems like a different beast uh, unto itself. I and mean, it'd be great if they could be aligned with the vision and mission of the parish. Does Amazing Parish address, like, how do you pull your school into all this? Because that, that's a really an American issue, isn't it? Because Canada doesn't have schools anymore. So Father Mallon can't answer a lot of questions that we ask him. Mm. We are, we're very convicted. Every situation is different. So we want to make sure we're careful around these things. But I would say if your principal and your pastor aren't aligned, then I would say your mission isn't aligned. And so uh, I've been coaching a team this last year, and it's so awesome to see the principal and pastor on the same page. And, and this week, we really set up our parishes with a vision for, you know, why they exist and how they're supposed to behave and how they're going to succeed and really help them cast that vision to the rest of their parish. And it was fun to hear the principal just like glow. She said, father got in front of all of her teachers and said, this is why we exist. We exist to bring people to Jesus so that they can find healing in their lives. And you're like, wow. And so like all the teachers said, you know, with COVID and everything going on, I often get into the obstacles and challenges and I forget even why we're here. Why do I get out of bed and get online with students? And I don't like teaching like this. And this is off. And then they remembered 
oh, because we're all about Jesus and trying to help these kids heal. And so I think when you see that mission together, the teachers are inspired. They remember why they're there. And then I think father goes, oh yeah, how can we take all this growth, all this energy and resources that we put in our school and not just say, that's this thing out there, but actually this is a key thing to actually taking our parish to the next level is getting this school and these students and parish on board. So, I mean, again, every situation is different, but anytime we can get a school and a parish aligned in mission and, and going in the right direction, I, we always see breakthrough because there's so much power in schools when they're done in the right way. Can I ask you a few questions about culture? Because I'll come in here as a new pastor and say, you know, we really need to change things. We need to change the way we think and the things we want to get done. And yeah. then I have a sense that people aren't as concerned about culture as much as they are about numbers. They just want to see more people at church. Like they're blaming the culture of the world, not mm -hmm. the culture of the church. Actually, I think a lot of people say, keep your Catholic school, keep doing what we're doing, you know, maybe some better homilies, or sometimes they'll say maybe shorter homilies. Sometimes they'll say that. But, you know, the culture that needs to change is outside of these walls, not our culture. It's kind of hard to convince them that, like, the church exists. We have the truth. We have the liturgy. We have the sacraments. Why do we need to change our culture? Are you getting a little, I, I get that. I feel that from, from parishioners. Yeah, I guess my thought would be to take a step back and say, all right, as a church, are we growing and influencing the culture? Or are we shrinking? And what's the reason for that? And I think you could definitely point to a post-modern and a post-Christian culture that's really stifling that. But I'd also point to your own church and say, is this the culture we want? Do we think we're really going to be successful in another generation if we continue to operate in the same way that we have? And I think if you just think through stats or kids or all those things, it becomes quickly apparent that we can't keep doing what we're doing and we're going to keep getting what we've always gotten and I just think that's hopefully as people wrestle with that would be made more apparent that boy, something drastic has to be done. But I, I do agree. I think it's hard with some parishioners to help them see that bigger picture and understand the drama that's going on in our church. Sometimes it's, Oh, these kids left the faith, but eventually they come back. That's what I did. And, you know, maybe we're down now, but I think just pointing to things like the scandals in our church, like that's been a part of our culture. There's some real issues with that. How does something like that happen? Well, and, and pointing to like, we actually don't have a foundation of living out Jesus and it becomes an institution and it being, uh, becomes about stuff and numbers and uh, external things rather than about the heart. And I, I think just the more we can cascade that and really help parishioners see that I think is, is huge. And I know you know this, Father Jeff, I'm not speaking to you, but yeah, I think that's, that's something that someone like Sherry Waddell with all the stats with form intentional disciples, I think help the church collectively and a lot of church leaders do is, is see that, that need to change our culture. Kevin, I love that. I'd add to that. I think you mentioned it earlier, but there's an extraordinary gift that many of us were given in the pandemic when a good 95% of our activity was suddenly classified as non-essential. We had this pause to say, yeah, why, why was I doing that anyway? Because I didn't like it. You know, I, and I love the way here in Omaha, Archbishop Lucas, he says like, so when they come back, what are they going to find? When we start back up, what do you want to do? And, and really, the Lord has kind of put us on retreat for a little while to say like, okay, what, what are we about? What do we want to do? Because the honest assessment is, I think many of us were like, February 1st wasn't that great. I don't necessarily want to go back to February 1st. I, d I may not know what's next and I may not know how to do it, but if I'm honest, I didn't like that anyway. So what can a parish be? Can you just share some of the like stories and fruit from those who've 
embraced some of what Amazing Parish offers. What are people seeing and experiencing as they enter into that journey and let Amazing Parish help them through their own kind of personal process of renewing their parish? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Could go in a lot of different directions, but I'd start with one of the concepts that's really key to us and something called circle of influence and circle of concern. It's a concept by Stephen Covey that talks about the most important things that we can do on our circle of influence, the things that we can actually change and, and, and influence. There's other things in our circle of concern, right? Like world peace and COVID and what happens in the papacy and all these different things. And we can worry about those things, but really we can only control the things that we can influence or control. And the more that we concentrate on the things that we can influence, the greater our actual circle of influence grows. And the more we can't concentrate on things that are in our circle of concern, the more our circle of influence shrinks. And so that's a big philosophy at Amazing Parish. And Father Jeff, I think you alluded to that well, like why, why staff? For us, when we see an impact in the parish, we really start from the inside out and looking at the pastor. So the first big impact for Amazing Parish, we often talk in our church that we have a vocations crisis. I actually think we have a priest crisis. I think we treat our priests very poorly. We burn them out very quickly. And then we're often wondering why our parishes aren't in a good place when we actually don't help our leaders very much. And so back to your very uh, direct question is what amazing parish can look like. I think for a pastor to really feel supported in his role and to have people around him who are gonna love him, who's gonna support him, they're gonna encourage him, at times push back on him, that's what can really move a lot of our parishes forward and really provides health. Almost all of us who are in parishes, you know, we often think, or maybe the first few questions that we'd ask somebody else, well, how's your pastor? What's he like? We know instinctively that the leader of our parish changes so much of our experience of that parish, but often as parishes and as dioceses, we don't actually support that leader in a way that would help him thrive. And so an amazing parish we just start there. It's, it's easy to look for fruit or for numbers or for programs. But if that pastor isn't in a good place, we really believe a parish is going to go as the pastor often goes. And so we want to make sure he's in a place of health. And then that culture that we've been talking about before, we concentrate on a culture of prayer, culture of teamwork, and a culture of discipleship. That culture is really going to then be in that staff. So now we have a pastor, we have his leadership team around him, a, a few close people that can support him, and then a wider staff or key volunteers, whoever is in that parish office that have that culture as well. Once that leadership aligns, that's where other parishers can come on board. And I think we often in parishes look for a program to fix our parish. We're like, if we just run this thing, then we'll have success or we'll have numbers. And often those things can find success for our uh, a certain period of time. But in reality, we have to get our cultures right for those programs to thrive. Because often the, the problem isn't that we need a program. The problem is often we don't have a clear direction as a parish, and we don't have a, a culture that's going to actually help that program take off and really come alive. So at Amazing Parish, that's why we're so much into culture. We think that gets to the root of the problem, good leadership, good culture. From there, you can almost do anything you want and really anything that those leaders think would be helpful for their parishioners to really make the parish continue to come alive rather than hoping that a program solves. Programs are good, but they have their place within leadership and within culture to thrive rather than them trying to be the silver bullet that then turns and fix the parish. You know, Kevin, the nerd in me says like, that's just good theology. That's good ecclesiology. You're basically saying, 
so as the head goes, so does the body. That the health and support of the pastors, that that's real. And we believe that as Catholics, that there's a real headship that our pastors offer and that the health and flourishing of our pastors is a big deal. And I appreciate your saying that, like, sometimes as we look at the crisis in the priesthood, we don't look to ourselves as laity and say, where was I offering support, lending a hand? Did I let Father try and do it all alone? I think often as lady too, when we're renewed in our faith, there's probably a lot of you out there that are listening to this podcast and thinking about your own pastor. You're thinking about your own place in the parish and what you can do. And I think as lady that may be even on fire with your faith, it's so easy to say, I don't like my pastor. I don't think he gets it. Whatever adjectives that you or story that you have with your pastor and you go, I'm just going to go around them. And I think that's a really natural desire to see fruit, to see renewal. I know I've done it in my own life and parishes and go, boy, I'm a focused missionary and I want to lead small groups and I want to see people's lives change. And I don't think this pastor gets it. So I'm just going to go around them. But I, I do think Jim, yeah, that analogy as the head goes, the rest of the body goes and really to respect there is an authority for a reason. There's a head for a reason. And if we think about any company, if we think about any sports team, it'd be really silly if we said, Hey, we have this head coach, but as a team, we're going to totally not do what he says and, and create our own game plan for this week. We have a company. Yeah, the, the founder says this, but we're just going to do whatever the heck we want because we think it's really important. But sometimes we get to the parish, we're like, we do just that. And we, we often might know it's not the best situation, but we think it's going to be effective. And, you know, I think as we could think of that co- corporation or that sports team, probably not going to go super well in the end. Uh, the same with the parish too. Kevin, I just have to emphasize that because some of our listeners are parish staff, but most of them are just ordinary lay Catholics who love their parish. And just to reemphasize what you said, like you're not going to bear fruit, not fruit that lasts if you separate yourself from your pastor, even in just the subtle ways. And it can be a mysterious thing for those who are passionate to see lives changed to figure out how do I come alongside my pastor? How do I join in his mission and vision? And oftentimes, man, that seems painful because it doesn't seem like, you know, Father has the passion or has the vision. But I've just seen again and again and again, when we break our communion, it never bears fruit. And so I just want to emphasize that because it's it's hard. It's counterintuitive because sometimes I think the discouragement and the isolation that our pastors have felt we end up seeing that and responding the exact wrong way by saying, just like you said, I'm just going to go around. Don't you think there's a lot of people listening, though, that, I mean, they love priesthood, they love their priests, and they sort of have a vision for what could happen in the parish. And they've approached Father and they've been rejected. And Father says, "Mm, I just, I can't take another thing on, or how much is it going to cost? I mean, even just the discussion about flock note, getting flock note going in a parish is just like, oh, what is another thing, new technology. We don't have anybody to run it. And I'm just trying to think about the people who are listening, who I know are listening that have had those experiences of, okay, I want to help Father as much as possible. I'll even pay for flock note, you know, I'll even pay for it. But I think it's, I think there's probably a lot of people who are listening who are discouraged. And unfortunately, it's the pastor that, I don't know. We kind of get in the way, I should say. We get in the way of people's dreams and hopes. And I, I don't know why we do that, but it's my, my sense is that there's just a lot of things going on and we don't have the staff to be able to help us run those things. Yeah. But Father, that's huge. Like if we can keep you in kind of pastor mode, 
Like, what do you say to that parishioner? They're like, man, I, I want to help Father, and I feel like I've offered, and I've been rejected. Wh- what do they do? How do they step into that space? Because at one level, there's this real headship and this desire to honor and to join in the mission that the pastor has. And at the same time, there's a legitimate call that you have as a baptized person that you, know, you don't need Father's permission to share the gospel with your family and your coworkers and your neighbors. What counsel do you offer someone who feels that way? Because I think you're, Father, I think you're right. You're speaking to so many people right now. What do you say to help them kind of sort this out in their own hearts and minds? <laughs> I don't know if I wish I had a, I'm going to ask Kevin. I don't know if I have the right. I mean, I usually, when somebody comes to my door and says they want to help, I'm like, that's a gift from God. If they're not going to come there to complain, which you sort of expect, like when somebody sets an appointment, hey, Father, we need to talk. I'm like, oh, crap. What did I say in my homily? But but when they come and say, man, we, we want to help with this or that, or we think we think maybe we should move in this direction, I'm like, usually I think, well, I I guess, but I, I just, oftentimes I, I don't know how to organize them. So I, that's where I just feel like when it's all up to the pastor, then, you know, and then that's why you're emphasizing the leadership team. And, and because, because I often felt like at parish councils, people wanted more for their parish, but it would often just say, okay, we want all this, but then father has to execute it. <laughs> and sometimes the pastors you're talking to are not executing pastors. Like they just want to be, they want to be father. I just want to be father to people. Uh, and I, I don't want to set up a program. I don't want to set up flock note. Like, I don't know how to do that. It's not what I go ordained. I just want to go to the hospital. I want to be there for your wedding. I want to be there for your funeral. I just want to be a father. And I know that I'm supposed to be a shepherd too, but I'm going to shepherd you by just showing you the father's love through my fatherhood. And I think that's where a lot of priests are. They just want to be father. And that's why they got ordained. That's why we got ordained. Um, like I don't want to be a CEO of this parish because first of all i'm the ceo of 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 basically a bookkeeper and a business manager and then a a whole school that's not aligned with what i would really love for the parish it just it gets kind of frustrating i can't take another thing on yeah i think i think you man you said a lot of great things i'm glad you went first because i think it'd be (laughs) that's a, a sucker thing to try to do is go in front of the pastor to tell anyways um uh I think you had a lot of things right. I I really love what you said about a priest versus a pastor. And I think it's really important for a lady to understand that in priest faithfulness, they often step up into the pastor role, but that doesn't mean that's their desire, passion, why they joined the priesthood. And that's, that's really difficult. There's a big difference between priest and pastor. There's a charism of leadership that some people have and other people don't. And our current reality in the, in the priesthood and with our parish, we often just say next person up. You know, and we encounter so many stories here at the Amazing Parish where it was very clear that this person did not have the gifts or was not ready to be pastor. But you know what? We've got a building and you, or four buildings, and now you're a pastor of those four parishes. And I, you're, you've been a priest for two years, but, you know, here are the keys and let us know if you need any help. We're just a phone call and a very long drive away. And so I think that's a really good reality just to walk in and realize, you know, how would you feel like if you're in a job that you didn't feel qualified for. That'd be pretty tough. And just to recognize that it's so easy to be critical of our priests and our pastors, and it's much harder to be compassionate for them because we just, we know that role. So I, I would say that's really important to, to walk in knowing that as, as someone who's a lay person. I think the second thing I would tell any lady is, is really to engage. Uh, I had somebody ask me the same question. A lay person asked me this question. What I told her was engage the pastor for where his heart is. 
most pastors, very few pastors have no vision for their parish or no dreams or desires. The problem is they live in a culture of defeatism where they've been told over and over, stop dreaming, stop thinking, because it's just really hard and no one's really going to help you. So be better just to give up than to try and constantly be frustrated. And so I think tapping into their own dreams, what their own desires are, like you said, Father Jeff, some of those pastors have incredible desires, of them have very mediocre desires, but I think it's good to start with their heart. Again, any, any great organization, if you're going against the leader's vision or you're not in line with it, it's not going to go very far, very fast. Even if you find success, then you know, that leader's going to say, I don't like that success or that's not the way I wanted it. It's, it's just really not going to work. So to tap into that and then to truly ask a really hard question is, and Father, how can I help you in that? What does that look like for me to serve? And because often we come with, I'm passionate about this and I want to live out this thing. And what that does is it makes father more tired and more fatigued and more frustrated because it's just like you said before, it's another thing that's not supporting him and his needs. It's something else he has to worry about. And so we really have to get to the heart of what he, he's looking for in his parish and do a heart of service. And then we can see growth outside of that. But if we don't take care of a foundational thing, like a leadership team or a father's health and where he's at, it's just really typically not going to fly. Kevin, I, I love that. I, like you're literally telling the story. I have some, a number of friends, not in this archdiocese. Well, I have a number of friends in, in this archdiocese. archdiocese. <laughs> but, but the story I'm about to tell is not from this archdiocese, but number of young, awesome young couples, love the Lord, passionate about their faith. They've actually been equipped to share their faith and evangelize, and they were passionate about getting a youth group started. And they went to their pastors like, eh, nah, well, nah, maybe, you know, it just there wasn't any response. And they were getting really frustrated, and they got, they got some advice from another pastor, a wise pastor who said, find out what his passion is. Turns out it was the craft fair. I'm not sure why, but it turns out it was the craft fair. Well, actually, I do know why, because the craft fair was actually a, a, a big moneymaker for, for the parish. And there was an issue of financial solvency around, I don't know, they sold the doilies for like a lot of money. And anyway, they said, okay. So they got into the craft fair and they just totally transformed it. They ended up doubling the revenues and the participation of the craft fair and it was it became this huge small rural town event and boy a couple weeks later after this like blockbuster craft fair they came to father and they're like so could we do something with youth group he's like yeah you do whatever you want and they met him where he was at cuz his felt need was we're having a hard time making ends meet so like this craft fair feels like it's our financial lifeblood right now and they met him where he felt the need and that won the trust and the confidence for them to be able to move forward where their heart was. And he joined them in, in that. His enthusiasm for the youth and their outreach grew because there was a relationship there and trust. And I think the key word there is trust. I think for most times when we come to a pastor or a priest, we say, hey, I have this great idea and it isn't so great. And the problem isn't the idea and the problem isn't you wanting to help. The problem is father doesn't actually trust you. And you think, well, I'm such a great person. Why wouldn't you trust me? But it's because fathers had a lot of people come to his door under the auspices of trying to help who have then either not followed through or actually they had a second motive or whatever it is. And a good priest eventually goes, I don't want to get burned by people anymore. And I don't want to live in that place where now it's my fault that these people didn't do whatever they are going to say. And so I think you're right, Jim, when a pastor articulates his vision, 
And then you buy into that and say, Father, if that's where you need me to be, now that priest goes, oh, you're here to help, not because of what you wanted to do. And now I trust you. And, it, you know, everything we teach at Amazing Parish is really built on trust. Uh, that is going to be anything to any quality team. Trust is where it's all at. And for most parishioners, as good of a person that you are, as good of an idea that you are, if you don't have trust, that's the currency that's really going to, I think, ultimately win Father over. Give us a taste of what we would experience at an Amazing Parish conference. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So all of our Amazing Parish conferences, we have a what we call our 1.0 conference where a lot of it is onboarding a pastor. So typically a parish signs up for a conference. Every conference, we have teams that come and every team has to bring their pastor. So you can't attend an Amazing Parish conference without your pastor. Have you ever had any pastors be brought against their will? <laughs> Tied up. <laughs> no, Father, we're just gonna, we're just going for a drive. <laughs> I can't say that they haven't been, that, that hasn't happened, but not at least that we know of. Sometimes they're cajoled into coming, and we know that as well, either by their diocese or their parish or somebody, you know, that they feel like, oh, I've got to go to this thing. So once they sign up, we start to work with that pastor and say, Father, what does it mean to be a leader? And that sounds so funny. People are like, he's a pastor. Of course he knows how to lead. Back to the priest versus pastor paradigm. Many people go, I, I never wanted to lead. I, I was handed the keys to these parishes. I know I need to do something. I want to be a great leader, but I don't know what that looks like. And so we just start working with them on leadership. We really look at like, do you have great hard conversations? Do you know how to form a team? Do you know how to cast a vision? And really helping them understand that leadership and what we're looking for. And hopefully through those conversations, we get a sense, Father, do you really want to do this? Is this something someone put you up to? Or are you really inspired and hungry for this content? Because again, if for us, if the pastor's not on board, nothing is going to work later on. And we've found sometimes we've been more lenient and said, okay, father's not real into it, but he has a great team. Well, guess what? 12 months later, that team's struggling. And we all know why it's because the pastor never wanted to do it in the first place. And, and now the, the staff's actually more frustrated because they've actually seen where they could go, but father doesn't want to take them there. So we really get that pastor in a place where he understands his role as a leader. And then he learns actually how to pick out a leadership team. What does it look like to have two, three, or four people who are kind of in my inner circle who are going to help me discern strategic decisions for the parish and really encourage me and support me and really be the forerunners of any culture we want to create? If we're going to ask our prisoners to be missionary disciples, we need to ask ourselves, are we missionary disciples? We're going to say, man, we, you should be sharing your faith and, you know, sharing your faith in, in your workplace. You go, do we share our own faith in our own workplace mm -hmm. with ourselves? And we work in a parish, like we have to be leaders in that culture. And so we learn how to get that team up and running. And so that team with Father will come to our conference. And really, we try to give them those three cultures. We really put them in a place where they can pray with each other, not just say Hail Marys or Our Fathers, which are great prayers, but really, what can I pray for you? And let's pray over each other right now. A culture of teamwork. What does it look like to work together as a team? A lot of parishes are siloed. We have departments where it's, you know, the DRE, you do your thing, and you're the youth minister, and I don't want to hear any complaints from the parents, and, you know, make sure the sacraments go, you know, what does it look like to be a team, and how does that function, and what do we need to, what kind of dysfunction do we need to get out of our team and work together, and then finally, that culture of discipleship, how do we share our faith with one another, how do we make this just a power plant of faith and sharing, so that when people walk in, whether it's the guy who delivers FedEx uh, boxes to our office or whether it's a volunteer that stumbles in or maybe it's somebody off the street that just goes, man, uh, my mom just died and she's in this neighborhood and I need a funeral. When those people walk into their offices, they go, 
this is a different place entirely. Like I have entered not a tax and like accounting office, which is some, how some of parishes feel, but if I entered a place where they really rely on Jesus and live that out. And the conference is going to walk you through those three cultures and help you understand what it looks like as a teen to live those out when you go back to your parish. As you talk, I was drawn back. Patrick Lencioni in one of the webinars you sponsored, he was talking about this experience of really asking people, okay, how are you doing? And praying with them and talking. As he was talking about this beautiful experience of sharing prayer and really expressing just a compassion and a care for one another, I realized he was talking about his consulting firm. And I was like, wow, your consulting firm may be more Catholic than most of our parishes. There's this beautiful experience of people just showing compassion and not being afraid to talk uh, about the Lord. It's very convicting and, and honestly inspiring because this should be a home game for us. Um, yeah. and, it, and it can be. I think we've all uh, seen and tasted what it can be like when we just kind of go back to the fundamentals and go back to who we are and, and let the Lord really lead us as we try and lead these communities we call parishes. Yeah, I think as a church, especially as a church that's turned into an institution, we assume a lot of things. We've assumed the faith, you know, like we assume our kids will grow up Catholic. We assume if you work for a church, you're a great Catholic and all those things. And I think it's really an age of not assuming anything, not assuming father has this robust faith, not assuming that our parish staff have a personal relationship with Jesus, not assuming that our parishioners aren't struggling with major life issues that question their faith on a daily or weekly basis. We can't assume any of those things. And that's the culture change of really diving into relationships and really driving into people week to week, day to day and saying, father, how are you doing? Our priests need people to ask them that question. We assume, oh, you're a priest. You're immune from any type of crisis of faith or personal challenges. It's a really bad assumption. And to have a, a culture that constantly says, man, Father, how can we help? What can we do? Where are you at? How can I support you? Can I pray for you? And to see that culture not only embodied in our staff, but then starts after the conference, it's really extending that into the parish and really renewing and not, again, not assuming, really renewing and being proactive and and helping our faith grow and come alive. Where does the transubstantiation happen? <laughs> I'm just, you know, I feel oh, like that, that happens at mass. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm all confused. No, I'm just thinking, so we do these things. So we say the words, but when does it really change? So I'm just going to ask for some free consulting here through this podcast. Even though Jim is my, my coach, we meet a couple times a week and we go over things. I basically complain. He says, well, have you tried that and this or that, but I'm still mystified about, okay, you just set up a leadership team and you start praying for one another. But then how does that move into the parish? Like, so my staff is pretty limited as far as like the office staff, the school's separate from the parish. It's almost like a, we call it a consortium. So it's not, it's, they're not, it's not a parish school. It's a centralized school system. And I really, I mean, I have a little influence over there, but the pastor, I'm not the boss of the principal. So there's, there's an obstacle. Uh, there's also the obstacle of most of my staff are not parishioners. So we did not hire from within. And uh, the one person that is a parishioner doesn't actually live in the neighborhood. She lives actually in a different diocese. And I just think, okay, so we start praying together and all of a sudden magically there's the, you know, hocus pocus, you know, we say the words and boom, we have the transubstantiation and suddenly our culture has changed. I'm just, I'm really struggling how you make the leap. Where does it happen? Yeah. 
No, that's good. I think there's a couple of things that we do that will help that transformation. I do think for you to gather your key volunteers and bringing those folks closer, knowing that you don't have as much of a staff. So I think getting those people on board is really influential. Two more things that I would suggest that we do that help, quote, make it happen. The first one is we really walk through clarity with parishes and really help them get to the, the foundation of their vision and a, and a vision for his parish. There's so many parishes I've been in, and again, I'm, as a lay person who's excited and wants to help out his parish, and I, I'll, I'll go to Mass each week and think, where is this parish headed? Like, what does Father care about? What does he value? And he has it typically in his head, but I have no idea as a parishioner that comes to Mass every week what those things are. So we walk through in our coaching. So after our conferences, we have coaches kind of like Jim for you. Uh, we coach about 200 parishes on a, on a monthly or every other month basis. And we'll help them over time. We'll have an offsite and ask questions like, Father, tell us why your parish exists. And typically the staff's like waiting. They're like, huh, I wonder what the answer to this question is or the key volunteers, whoever's on the leadership team. And Father immediately knows what it is. So I'll say, oh, we exist to evangelize our entire parish boundaries or whatever. Sometimes it's theological. Sometimes it's a little bit different, whatever. But whatever the answer is, Father has it very quickly. And everyone on his staff is like, oh, that's why we exist? And Father's like, of course. You didn't know that? No, like I had, I had no, I had no idea. It's like, wow. So then the consultants will go through, our coaches will say, how do you behave? Like, what are your core values? When you think of your identity here at this parish, almost like your charisms and, and who you are, what are those core values? We have exercises to identify, you know, here at our, our parish, we're all about humility. We're all about really working hard to make the mission happen. And we're all about hospitality, whatever those three things are that you can then rally around and say, as a good parishioner or staff member, or as a pastor, those are the things we're going to embody and exude here at this parish. We go through strategic anchors. Like, what is success at this parish? Most parishes, you, you don't get a sense of anyone thinking necessarily about success, but this is really helping to anchor our parish and saying, if we're successful here, what would that look like? What are we going to measure? If we get to the end of the year and we say, we did a great job or we didn't get a good, good job, how are we going to be successful. And just walking a pastor and a team through those and giving them a vision can really renew the direction of their parish and where they're headed. And I think casting those out and over communicating those things in a parish, people start to understand, oh, that is what father cares about. That is what he's looking for. You know, I don't have to go to him and have a hard conversation and say, father, what's your vision for the parish? That, that's good for a lay person to do, but we want to be proactive on the other side and have him say, this is what I'm looking for. This is the kind of people I want. Here's what success looks like for me. And so many times that's where parishioners come out of the woodworks and go, Father, I always wish you said youth ministry is, I, I felt youth ministry is the most important thing. I felt like that's how we're going to be successful or not. But for you to say that for the pulpit and to preach on it for two months and then, you know, off and on, not like two months straight, but then, and then to launch a new youth ministry plan, we all know what you're trying to go after. And now we can help you and engage with you. So I think that vision is really key. And that's something that we consult on. The second thing that we've been doing with those three conversations is really trying to have those with parishioners. So we're taking uh, right now 66 teams through this process. They've had the three conversations on their staff. And now they're going up to over 100 parishioners in their parish and asking, how can I pray for you? Where's your faith journey at? What does your mission of the parish look like as well? Because we know we need a movement of parishioners who think like Father, who think with this culture, so that when you decide to do whatever you want to do, that it actually can find some traction and, and really have some transformation in your parish.
so Kevin, it sounds like this could take months. Yeah, I, you know, you could, you could have different timelines and there's faster and slower. I would say, boy, you need to give a good year to a lot of these things going on. We're, we're talking about foundational things mm-hmm. and it's so uh, tempting. Again, this is the program mentality to say, can we get that program and do that thing and had that happen? But we really have to go to the foundation. And when working with the foundation, you have to be really careful. And you have to pour that foundation really well or else it's not going to go well. And so that's really huge after the conference really a three or four month process of getting that team, living that out well and, and doing that well, and then trying to say, all right, how are we going to extend this to the rest of our staff? How are we going to extend this to the parishioners? And that can take up to a year. And in different parishes are at different cycles. Sometimes they have new staff members and it changes the leadership team or father leaves, whatever it might be. Sometimes things click at different points. We've had priests that we worked with for four years and whether it was our coaching wasn't good enough or he wasn't in the right spot. All of a sudden on the fourth year, things click and he's like flying. But for three years, he kind of muddled through and we had to help him and we discovered new things and he discovered new things. But yeah, it's foundational things and, and to, t- to pour that foundation can definitely take a little bit longer. All right. So this is a long-term adventure. It is. It, it, I think most big culture change in life, whether it's your own personal life or your own family, uh, certainly something bigger like a parish you want to get more people involved. If you really want uh, an amazing parish or a, a, an awesome parish, whatever adjective you want to use there, it definitely takes some time. So like 45 days is not enough. That's how long I've been in my two parishes. So, No, can, you're off the hook, Father Jeff. 45 days isn't enough. You can, you can rid yourself of that guilt and that worry you've had each night. We'll yeah, I feel, I feel like a failure. Yeah, um, we'll, give, we'll give you another week. Yeah. Kevin, you really have the the benefit of having a national perspective. Could you just speak a little bit to some of the challenges the church is facing today and maybe where you see the Lord at work? Mm. It's a great question. It it caused me like a little bit of pause because that's a a big one. I I think the biggest challenge to the Catholic church today is that we don't live within our own reality. And by that, I think we often dream that we wish the church was better than it was. We wish our people's faith was more advanced. We wish we had more priests. We wish we could keep our parishes. And when we live out of a false reality, we make some really silly decisions that harm mm-hmm. the people of God long-term. And not nothing scandalous, but more just either something that's mismanaged or irresponsible. And so I think that's, for me, a little bit of a bigger picture of the church is we need to constantly not wish that things can be the way they used to be or the way we want them to be, but really grapple and deal with them the way they are. And that's, we found that over and over. It's like, you're trying to get parish staffs to pray with each other. Like, yeah, it's really not hard, crazy things, but that's where we're at. So we have to live there or, you know, we don't have enough priests for our parishes, but we're going to really stretch our priests out and make them overburdened and burnt out. It's like, yeah, that's, that's not super great idea. Like we can want more parishes, but we don't have enough priests. We don't have enough faithfulness of our people, like stop living in a different place. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing I would say advice to our church. I feel like I forget the exact wording of your second question. Oh, I mean, where's the Lord in all of that? Mm. I mean, I, I think you're spot on. It's a human thing to sometimes struggle to live in our own reality. But I think as Catholics, we sometimes struggle with that to a greater degree because it feels disloyal to admit that we're in need. I think the Lord works best in difficult situations and small places. You know, you think about even like where Mary has appeared in Fatima or Lourdes, like 
difficult situations in small places and even think about where the faith started. Like it started with a culture of, you know, a Jews who were under attack from the Roman world. And he worked with fishermen who brought about the faith. And so I think he's renewing us into a place of like smallness and we're breaking ourselves down from our pride or institutions. And I think that's where the Lord wants to speak. He wants to speak in a little team of volunteers and staff in a parish. He wants to work with a humble pastor in a difficult assignment. He wants to work with uh, parishioners who are out there just saying, I'm just hoping my kids stay Catholic and I'm, I'm really trying to move things along. And I think the Lord wants to work there. So I think the Lord's in those things. I think he's in those much more than big institutions or big programs or big things out there. He's in it when we're heartfelt and working with the people around us in a really intentional way. I think that's where the Lord wants to be. And I think that's where he shows up. And so I think in a time where we have challenges and a time where we see a lot of these institutions, whether it be the parish or the family disintegrate through that humility, that's where I think the Lord wants to be and actually will be, will show up in a powerful way. That's fantastic. Thank you. I feel like you just shared your heart there and thank you. Thank you for your work on, on behalf of the church. As we close here, you all are going to be having a conference close to Omaha. You're going to be in Kansas City next summer. Just talk a little bit about for those whose interest has been piqued, where they can go to find out more information. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, the Amazing Parish Conference in Kansas City, uh, that's June, I believe 21st through 23rd. You can get that information on our website. It's amazingparish.org. A lot of times we've been onboarding pastors and teams through our conferences, but with COVID, we've just seen an outpouring of pastors who are really hungry for what we have. And that's really challenged us to find new ways to do that. So right now, uh, we're really engaging pastors, even outside the conference. We're doing coaching. We have boot camps right now for pastors who haven't come for a conference, just hungry pastors that say, I want to be a better leader. I'm a priest, but maybe I'm not a good pastor. And we have these boot camps and cohorts of, of pastors that are going through that. We have online courses. We have a Facebook forum. So there's a lot of ways to get involved. And if you go to amazingparish.org, especially as a pastor, that page is designed for you and for options. And uh, for you as a parishioner thinking, all right, if I want to have a conversation with my pastor, maybe we've had these sorts of conversations before. You really could point them to our website, uh, have a phone call, whatever it takes. We're happy to help any way that makes sense. But don't think we just have to sign up for our conference or take this big step. We're always here to help and to coach and to, to walk with pastors no matter where they're at. And if they're in, they're in need of help, we'd love to help them. That's great. Kevin, I know a number of parishes here at the Archdiocese have benefited from Amazing Parish. So again, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, so great to have a conversation with an old friend like you, Jim, and then Father Jeff, just to have a perspective of a pastor with such a new assignment saying, how does this work? And what does that look like? It was such a great conversation for me. So really appreciate your podcast, everything you guys are doing and really enjoyed the conversation with you today. Thank you, Kevin.